Welcome to my podcast. Today we're going to continue in our conversation about grace. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Grace Recipient Podcast. My name is David. I'm your host with the most appreciation for what God has done and what God continues to do in my life. And I hope at some point you can get to a place or you're already at a place where you can say the same thing about your life. Before I get into this podcast, I wanted to let y'all in on something that's exciting to me. Um, the Grace Recipient podcast is now also a blog. So if you wanted to read my blog or if you wanted to listen to my podcast, you can do it all from the same website. And that's www.gracerecipient.org. If you get on the webpage and you like the content, please subscribe. And if you subscribe by inserting your email, you'll get a notification every time I drop a a new blog or podcast. Thank you very much. Today we're going to look at grace as a dispensation. Now, I dealt with grace in latter uh, podcasts, um, and I dealt with the favor aspect of grace. Um, and we may go back to that topic at some point in the future. Um, I, I I want to glean some more out of that topic, but... I just want to move on today um, and get into the aspect of of, uh, a dispensation as grace. And so the word dispensation describes the ruling, a system or order, a government, an organization of a nation, uh, a community, etc., especially as existing at a particular time. Now, this is also referring to uh, economy or whatever situation is at the ruling situation at that time. There are typically seven dispensations throughout humanity's existence. And I discussed some of these briefly, or I discussed these briefly in, in the fifth episode, episode five of Grace Recipient Podcast when I shared a a message that I preached that sparked my interest in the the topic of grace. Um, So without too much um, explanations, uh, I'm going to go ahead and list these dispensations off. So your first dispensation throughout humanity's existence was you have the dispensation of innocence. And this is where Adam and Eve uh, were in the garden and they could do no wrong except for eating that specific tree. Um, the next dispensation we have is co- is a dispensation of consciences, conscience. And this started with the fall of man all the way up till the flood. Then we have human government, which is um, after the flood um, until Abraham was called or Abram was called uh, by God. Um, And then when Abraham was called by God, that ushered in a dispensation called promise. Um, And this led all the way up till 
um, the very last promise that God uh, fulfilled, and that was to bring the children of the children of Israel <laughs> out of Egyptian bondage. That was a promise. Um, and then we came into another dispensation called the law, and this is where Moses uh, met with God up in the mountains, and uh, God gave him uh, stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on them, and then he also gave him a host of other laws that that the uh, Hebrews would have to live their life by. And after the dispensation of law, we come into the dispensation called grace. And the dispensation of grace is um, started basically at the day of Pentecost. It, it, you know, um, we'll just say on the day of Pentecost when God poured out the Holy Ghost. And, and we are still living today in that dispensation and then a dispensation that's going to come later on in in humanity's existence will be the millennial kingdom and that is when Jesus will reign on the earth for a thousand years now we're talking about dispensation of grace but before we get into the dispensation um I want to discuss the dispensation of law and what led up to it, okay? So in Genesis, when man fell in the garden, the Bible said that sin entered into the world. And this is something that we've discussed many times in, in, in this podcast. But as a result of man falling, um, God banished Adam and Eve from the garden and set up a, a flaming sword that that would uh, disallow man to go back into that garden. Um, but in the process of time, man became wicked above all. And the Bible said that their hearts was on evil continually. And, and it would repent of God that he made man, but there was a man, and we talked about this, I believe in our third episode, there was a man by the name of Noah that, that found grace in God's eyes. And so God used Noah to build an ark um, for the con condemnation of the world, or the world would be condemned to the completion of this ark. But this ark would preserve Noah and his wife and their three sons and their three wives. All right. So after the flood subsided um, off of the the waters went down and, and they were able to get out of the ark. Uh, the Lord God commanded Noah and his sons and his and their wives to to replenish the earth and they were supposed to spread out and replenish the earth. But contrary to what they were told to do, the Bible said that these men began to build, um, or not these men, these men, they started having sons and, and daughters and their sons and daughters. And, and so the, the human population was, was growing again. But man, in spite of what God had said, they began to build. Um, and we can get into the spiritual context of this. But I'm just going to go through what the what the word says is that be, they began to to build a tower um, so that they can go up to the heavens and 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 meet God themselves. And so God was very displeased with what was going on here, and so He cursed the people um, with and, and 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 cursed their language to where they they couldn't understand each other's speech. And so according to the will of God, God wanted them to spread out across the lands. Um, this was the very act um, that caused them to perform God's will. So let me just side note, if it's the will of God, then God's going to do his best to make it happen. 
Okay. I I I I I really believe that if it's God's will and 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 he means for it to happen and if we're outside of his will, God's going to do what he can do to get us back in his will. We just got to be obedient. But I I think that God intervened in such a way because this was it was detrimental that they followed after the laws of God, okay? So let me just leave it at that. So when man separated, uh, it was incumbent unto God to call a man out, okay? And so God called a man by the name of Abram, and when God calls Abram, this is entering into the dispensation of promise that throughout the years, uh, Abraham's family will grow and become oppressed by the Egyptians for 400 years. And God would call a man named Moses to free his people, uh, the Hebrews, from the Egyptian bondage. Now, Moses would fulfill that task. And through circumstances, God would have the children of Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, just remember, this is just a concise explanation of all these dispensations because I really want to get into the dispensation of, of law and I really want to get into dispensation of grace. So, But as, as circumstances would have it, um, God made the children of Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And during those 40 years, that God would meet with Moses on top of uh, Mount Sinai um, where God would present Moses with the Ten Commandments and what we would also call the Mosaic, Mosaic Laws, which are the laws that God gave to Moses, um, thus bringing us into this dispensation called law or dispensation of the law. Now, there are about four reasons why God gave the law to the children of Israel. Um, and there could be more, and I, I may be over-exaggerating, but I, I want to list them, but I, I really want to discuss two of them, okay? So the law was given as a means to sanctify and set the children of Israel apart from other nations. Now, uh, and it was also a, a the basis of a binding covenant between God and Israel, that if they obeyed the law, then it would be good for them. So Exodus 19, starting at chapter at verse 3, the Bible said, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord God called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on angels' wings and brought you unto myself. Okay, God was saying, I went the distance to free you from their bondage. Now, therefore, verse 5, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So God was telling Moses to go to the children of Israel, give them my laws, and tell them, hey, I went the distance for you. I went out of my way to grab you and deliver you from the bondage of Egypt. And now, if you would do your part and keep my commandments and keep my laws, then I'm going to set you above all the other nations. You're going to be a peculiar treasure unto me. And, and and you are going to be a kingdom of priests and you're going to be a holy nation. God said 
in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7 and 8, Sanctify yourselves therefore, and be ye holy, for I the Lord your God, and ye shall keep my statutes and do them, I am the Lord that sanctifies you. So God's saying, listen, the purpose of these laws as a, as a, as a covenant is I want to sanctify you. I want to set you apart. I want to put you in a good place. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. And then I'm going to go to verse 9 and verse 10. So verse 1 says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of, of the earth. So again, he's saying, if you would do... And, and if you would obey the laws of God, you're going to be in a high place. I'm going to acknowledge you above all. I'm going to put you in a good place. All right, verse 9 and verse 10 of Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself. And he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Okay, so what this is saying is, is, is simply... This law I'm giving as, as a, the basis of a binding covenant that if you obey these laws, then people are going to know that you're called by my name. You are favored of me. You are the apple of my eye. You are a peculiar treasure to me. And you, I love it when it talks about right here, um, in Exodus 19.6, you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. The law was a commandment. The law was a covenant. And the law was a means to set people apart from the world. All right. So the law was given as a means to protect and to bless the children of Israel. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12. And now Israel what doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God and to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 29 um, and verse 33. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Verse 33, then he says, Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, and that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Now, Understand that the majority of these laws that were designed to protect the Jews from other Jews, kind of like we have laws today that are meant to protect us from others. Okay, so the, the purpose of the law in this sense was to protect the people, was to tell them, hey, this is for your good. This is for your longevity of life. If you, if you keep my commandments, then I'll be forced to protect you or, or not forced. Yeah, pretty much forced by his binding uh, covenant. If you keep my laws, I'll, I'll be your God. You'll be my children. I'll set you above everything. The nations of this world are going to fear you. So basically, he's forced to say, he, he's saying, I'm forced to protect you from, from other, other nations. Okay? 
but the law is also a reminder of how we are to live for God, okay? So let me go to Psalms chapter 119, and I'm going to read verse 97 through 104. It says, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. That though through thy commandment, thou, excuse me, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditations. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I may might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Okay, so the law of God is to is a reminder of the children of Israel to live for God. Okay, so there's laws in the scripture that basically say, remember my law and keep my commandments. The law was given to us so that God could reveal himself and his plan of reconciliation. All right. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verses one through seven says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For when, for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But if those sacrifices, but in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of every of sins every year for for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith sacrifices, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Now, in other words, the law was a blueprint. Or you may say a first draft. It was not going to be the law that would reconcile the world back to God, but what the law foreshadowed. Okay, so ultimately, when we talk about law, and we talk about grace, and we talk about all these different dispensations, and it's like it's like a, a timeline that was chopped up, and it, it's it's pieces of a of a puzzle, or it's a, it's a it's a story of of God wanting to reconcile the world unto Himself. Okay, so this law was just a shadow of things to come. It was, like I said, a blueprint or a first draft. It was not going to be the law that would sink, that would reconcile the world back to God, but it would be what the law foreshadowed. Now, the, know this. Now, in the law, there were temporary remedies for sin. And that was taking an ox or a lamb or whatsoever type of sacrifices that was required for that occasion and it was to be put to death and offered up unto the Lord. And once a year, there would be a day of atonement where there would be a ritual required by law that would push the sins of Israel forward to a, another year. Study this out. Again, this is why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 that it was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It was not a solution. It was it was just something that the law required them to do that that and 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 they were bound by a covenant that if they would obey the law, it would be good for them. Hebrews 10 and 5, wherefore when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, 
but a body hast thou prepared me. The law was a shadow of what God was getting ready to do. Galatians 3 and 4 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified, justified by faith. Romans 8, 23, or excuse me, Romans 8 and 3 says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. All right. Now remember, 2 Corinthians 519, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God wanted to reconcile the world unto himself. So he devised the plan that would be ultimate. And in this plan, it was, it was foreshadowed by the law. Now, everything that is in the law can be reveal the coming of the of the Christ the coming of Christ okay but that law wasn't going to do what Christ himself could do so Christ himself or I'm sorry so God himself had to manifest himself in the flesh. And he had to be that sacrifice for sin. I'll get back into that in a minute. But let me give you the fourth reason for the law. The law was given to reveal man's faults. And his need for a savior. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says. Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So by the law, we can recognize our sin. So we're talking about dispensations. And the best way that I can describe dispensation is a segment of, of a timeline uh, defining different economies or governments that was appointed by God to bring about a greater revelation of his plan. So the seven dispensations that I just discussed earlier, starting from the, the innocence that Adam and Eve in the garden to the dispensation of the millennial kingdom are all chapters in the story of God's plan of reconciliation. So if we was to write a book, which we have a book, the Holy Bible, we would see these dispensations categorized as we went through the law, through the, through the word of God. Maybe we'll talk about it at greater length at some times. Okay. But I want to get into this now in the dispensation of the law. God gave Moses a whole host of laws, but these laws, they just became rituals and looked at like traditions and just something that they had to do. But it was not a permanent uh, solution. So if you looked into the laws, you could find the plan of salvation. You could find Jesus and everything. You know, the scripture said at one point, Jesus talking to them, says, search the scriptures. Of course, in the, in the New Testament... In, 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 in Jesus' time, all you had was the Old Testament. You didn't have all the epistles. You didn't have the Gospels. Okay, so in Jesus' time, all you had was the prophets and, 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 and the laws of Moses. Okay, and so the scripture says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you know or you think you have eternal life, but it's them that tell of me. 
Okay, there are people that feel like if they adhere to the law, that there's salvation there. And all throughout history, the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, the scribes, all of these people were following the law to the T. Thinking that if I follow the law to the T, I'm going to have salvation. And Jesus says, search the scriptures. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to the Sadducees. Search the scriptures. In them, you think you have life. But all the law is, is a revelation of who I am. And you'll find me. You'll find truth. If you seek it hard enough, you'll find truth. So these laws became rituals and then were looked at as tradition. But they were just a, 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 a they, they was just something they had to do. It, it, it wasn't a permanent solution. But if you looked in the scriptures and you looked in the laws and you read the prophets, you would find the plan of salvation. So you see it, it in the plan and the tools that were in and around the tabernacle. You know, when, when we talked about God giving Moses the uh, or given the plans of the tabernacles to build that they, they were all would reveal Christ. Now, I, I want to do this episode and, and, and I have somebody in mind that I, that I want to interview for this episode because, because of their love and, and understanding of, of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. But they reveal the plan of salvation. They reveal Jesus Christ. They reveal the gospel of Christ and what we have to do to be saved. All right? Now, so you see in the laws of the tabernacle, you'll see the salvation. And, and, and one day we'll get into it. It, it was a shadow of of Calvary, just like the whole law was a shadow of good things to come. All right, now there is going to be a time when the when God was going to have to further his plan of reconciliation, and the advent of that furtherance was noted in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under a law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, so God's plan of re reconciliation was not to stay in the dispensation of the law, but God was going to redeem all those that were under the law. Now, recognize this. The Gentiles were not under the law. Gentiles were not bound by the law, but the Jews were. And in order for them to be free from the law, God had to bring them out of that dispensation and into another dispensation. And the only way to do that is, is that there had to be a perfect sacrifice that would not push sins back, but annihilate the sin in its place. Now, we talked about Jesus Christ in, a, in, in other episodes being the propitiation of sins. And the propitiation meant the, the expiration of sins. Now, the law couldn't do it. The law could not expire sin. But Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice of sin, he was the very very God incarnated in, incarnated in the flesh that walked to Calvary and became the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world, expired them, got rid of them. So when now God looks at your life and you got the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life, he doesn't see the sin. They're gone. 
And so the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God himself rode himself in flesh and came down to this earth so he can humble himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now remember, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he came into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. He had a body. God had a body. That body had a name. That name was Jesus. And this is why. Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh from force and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now, remember, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So with the work that Jesus did on Calvary's cross, and him doing what the law could not do, conquering sin and defeating death and hell when he rose from the dead and after he ascended into heaven we said farewell to the dispensation of law and ushered in on the day of Pentecost was the dispensation of grace where not only the Jews benefited but according to God during the the dispensation of promise God told Abraham that through his seed shall all the nations of the world be blessed And not only the Jews, but also Gentiles, we profit off of this spiritually. We weren't bound by the law. We had no hope. We were not a people. We weren't bound by the law. We were considered dogs. We were considered a disgrace. We, we were not the people of God. But when God came onto this earth in flesh and did the work on Calvary and grace was poured out on the day of Pentecost, amen, the statement later on made that we are no more Greek or Gentile, Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile. I'm going to find that scripture and I'm going to blow your minds with it. That scripture is in the book of Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to start on verse 21. It says, is the law then against the promise of God? God forbid, for if there be, if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. We're no longer under the law. For we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. Now let me go back here before I get back into the original recording. I had to split this in here. But let me go back. There is neither Jew or Greek. There is neither bond or free. 
Now remember, the Jews were bound by the law, not the Gentiles. The Gentiles were free. But after, after faith came, after grace came, after Jesus Christ did what he did on Calvary, the law being a schoolmaster brought us to this point. But now we have no need for uh, the schoolmaster. So we are not all separate, but we are all one in the body of Christ if you've been baptized in Christ. We're people of God. We have become, and I can find this one, is in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. This is what we are. We are a chosen generation, verse 2 and 9. 1 Peter, verse 2 and 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past we were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I am so thankful, amen, that we have got through the dispensation of law and we have came into a dispensation of grace where, like I say, grace is given to 100% of humanity. Nobody is exempt from grace. We are living in a dispensation of grace as we speak. It ain't about law no more. Oh, we have to obey law. And I'll get into that probably next episode. I think I'm going to have to wind it down here uh, for this episode. But let me just let me just say this. The Bible says that if we pretty much give ourselves to the law, then we say grace is 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 no no more. Let me see. It's in, I have this verse somewhere. Galatians 5 and 3. For I testify again of every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, I don't understand a lot of these beliefs today, but some that would look at us and say, hey, you got you to gotta do the law. It's about the law. It's about the law. Even today. So I want to ask a silly question. Do we still sacrifice blood, the blood of bulls and goats? Do we still do we still do this? And I will contest that many would say no, especially those that that believe in the law that that are messianic because Jesus the Bible said that blood of goats didn't do anything for what the law couldn't do. Christ had to do. The Bible said that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ Jesus. But listen to here. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and 4 that Christ is become of none effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are falling from grace. If you put more regard into the Old Testament law, and live your life by the law and 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 or feel like you're justified by the law then you remove yourself from grace you have walked away from grace and said that grace is no more for you that you would rather live your life by instruction Listen, guys, John 1 and 17 said that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I'll get into it, but the Bible talks about grace being a teacher. And this in Titus 2 and 11, for the grace 
of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, I think this is unique because the law was a schoolmaster bringing us to Christ. But grace is a teacher. Schoolmaster represents authority. And the law was authority. But teacher, to me, is it seems is, is a softer phrase to say, hey, I'm going to take you by the hand and I'm going to show you. I'm not going to force you. I'm going to show you. And so we are living in a dispensation of grace. Now we have to follow the laws of the land because man's mercy is not as forgiven as God's mercy. And there's a whole lot we can go into when we're talking about man's laws and man's judgments and and all this stuff. But God has given out grace. Now, I, I say in the closing of each of these podcasts that grace is given to 100% of humanity. And then I say, be a partaker of grace. And that's my slogan. That's my catchphrase, if you would. When I say grace is given to 100% of humanity, it's to say, there it is. It's open for whosoever would. It's automatically there. Just like there's automatically air everywhere. But if we want to survive, we got to take that breath. You know, I I commented at one point that you could be standing in a pool of water in the middle of a rainstorm and you're surrounded by water. But you don't get that water inside of you unless you... take a drink and that's like grace we're living in a dispensation of grace and there's grace all around us you want to be a partaker of grace that you understand what the salvation of Jesus Christ is on the day of Pentecost they were all in one place and in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there was cloven tongues like as of fire that sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Peter began to preach to these people that were in Jerusalem to a point where they were convicted. And they asked them in Acts 2.37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then he says, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Grace is here. But he said, this is what you got to do. You have to repent. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And you have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And even though grace is here, this promise is to you and to your children, and to anybody else that the Lord our God shall call.
And can I testify today that God is trying to call 100% of humanity? Hey, grace is for 100% of humanity, and you're involved in that percentage. Be a partaker of grace. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I realize that I may have beliefs that some disagree with. I want to give you an opportunity to speak to that. So if you want to email me comments, questions, if you want to correct me, then please email me at graceforall, the letter M, at gmail.com. That's grace for all, the letter M, M as in ministry, at gmail.com. And I would love to read everybody's comments to me about this, questions. If you were to email me an audio clip of your comment, question, or critique, There's a good chance that I would play it on another podcast. Feel free uh, to enlighten me. I don't have all the answers. I do have a God and I do have a Bible. (laughs) Amen. So um, um, if we need to get further um, in detail with studying, I am all for it. Iron sharpeneth iron. I just ask that your comments to me would be respectful and I will be respectful to you as well. God bless.